Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think we should start at the top by talking about your first karaoke hosting experience real quick. Yeah, yeah, y'all. I'm back in the service industry in a sort of uh, peripheral way. Um, it is service. It is mm-hmm. industry. I am working at a bar on Monday <laughs> nights. Once again, this you're is, in. You're in with the staff. Obviously, I'm, I'm in with the staff who are great. Tom has a great staff, but uh, yeah, I worked my first night nine p.m. to two a.m. hosting karaoke for bar patrons such as Andrea and her friends. <laughs> Yeah, I'm there to support, baby. Oh, I yeah. stayed up I stayed up way past my bedtime too to Same. support. Same. <laughs> I mean, we were ruined on Tuesday. We didn't even have a wild night. I just haven't been out of the home physically that late in like a year and a half. <laughs> I know. I've never stayed out that late in actually almost six years in Los Angeles. Everyone goes home at midnight. Like yeah, it's a very it's a nice hard out. It's a safe out for sure. It I mean it's it's so hard to believe as someone who used to know the secret knock for six a.m. bars. Um, <laughs> after I would get off my old shift, the fact that when Tom offered me the gig and he was like, "So it's nine to two, and I was like, two, two in the in the morning," and I was like, "But Tom, I'm forty two years old, you know." And he's like, "I know, I know, because we're the same age." He's like, He's like, but that means I have to like break down equipment. And then I also like still had to get home. So I'm not even going to go to bed till 3 a.m. Whoa. Yep. I did the math. And he's kind of looking at me just with no empathy, like, uh huh. And I have three children to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wallace. And I'm your host, and I'll be your karaoke DJ for the night, Brooke Van Poplin, <laughs> DJ BVP, DJ Brooke Van Pfizer in the house. Uh, and you guys, and welcome back to the show. I think All right. we, should, we should start saying more things like that. Hey guys, well, thanks for sticking around. Welcome back. We we are so bad at intros and and transitions <laughs> and yeah, all sort of bump ins and bump outs. We need to script them more for ourselves, you know. Sure, absolutely. All right, let's recap before the break. So far, Brooke and Andrea tackled some headlines, <laughs> server submitted stories, and coming up after the commercial, we'll be diving into the topic of the show. Stick around. Yep. <laughs> and then this is like the formula for every reality show or like NCIS, which depends on our 60-year-old mothers to be watching it. So it's like it has to keep reminding you what you just watched because they think you're old and simple. But it's it's like you come back from 
the commercial break, after they told you what's coming up, then when you come back, it's like, just a reminder as to what happened. (laughs) And then it gives you a quick rundown of the first 15 minutes of the show you just watched. So much recapping. It's It's like you went into a a recap wormhole with all that. No, it's terrible. It's like, are the writers not talented enough to fill out that that 22-minute timeline where like six of the minutes are are just recapping? It's just just corporate daddies who don't trust anything. Like, the writers do the work. I know. And then whatever happens to it after that. (laughs) Yowzers. Anyway, well, you guys remember last week we were running a contest for t-shirts and posters. Well, guess what? Only two people wanted one. So I don't know what that says about us, about you guys. Uh, it's a free t-shirt for just rating and reviewing and subscribing. No strings attached other Maybe than, other than that too one. Nice. Maybe people are too nice to do it. They're like, or th- ah. I don't want to offend. I don't want to stir up any pots today. I I mean, too nice. It's it's literally like, will you just take a minute? I mean, and I understand a lot of you don't listen through Apple, but for those of you who do, hey, come on over, man. And the people that I responded to, they were like, whoa, seriously? I'm like, no, you're number one. <laughs> you're the only one. <laughs> um, so you guys, the contest is still wide open. Lots of stuff up for grabs. And I'm probably, what do you think? We should only run it another. I'm only going to humble myself and beg for like maybe two more episodes. So. Yeah, man. Just write us a review. Rate How- us. At some point before the end of this month for a Get free a- t-shirt or poster. Good yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, Totally fine. <laughs> it's, there's nothing suspicious or suspect about this. We're not. There isn't. There, we won't be mailing any shedding your way. or Nope. <laughs> or what I think I've realized is um, it's called flea dirt, which I'm like, oh, no. I think Hank now also has fleas because it, he leaves like a black, weird, granular substance on the bed. After he's been laying there and everyone's like, yeah, that's called flea dirt. And I'm like, oh, no, but I'm, I won't mail you flea but dirt. I won't mail you that is what but I'm saying. Really, I just got like really like pig pen uh, feels about Hank, no. basically. Oh, Hanky boy. Poor Hanky. Yeah. I got to oh, give him boy. a flea bath in a little bit. Anyways. All right. Well, you guys let if get into the contest. Play the game. It's very topical for the show it's, you're about to hear. It's not even a contest at this point. It's like, will you please? And we'll send you a t-shirt. Um, anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into some headlines uh, for sure. Um, first headline, which I'm happy to tackle. Steak and Shake will have self-service kiosks and no servers when dining rooms reopen. Um, My- this is back from March, but like just, you know, following up on all of the automation that is happening with you know i think steak and shake teeters that fine line between fast food and actual service um but well, gosh we we've had so many past uh service submitted stories listeners that was this is how they cut their teeth this was their first job april wolf hello i'm gonna forward mm-hmm. this to her our you know our kale's corner episode with april wolf she is a decorated steak and shake server like she she's like a like pins like an army general of like service excellent all over her uniform and visor and it's like this job showed her so much pride 
and multitasking and organizational skills, enough so that she has become the successful director of some horror movies. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is, is offensive. It, it is, it's offensive, and it's it's really just like, a, 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 I don't know, I, I don't know. I don't like it, but here, and here's why I, I can understand the model they're going for because this is happening all over. Basically, you're walking up to a kiosk and like, you know, pushing touch screens to make your own order, and then it's made for you. Then you pick up your own food. So you're kind of like it's like a DIY. It's just it's really similar to that time that Brian and I went to that Outback Steakhouse and you can order from your table, but you still have a server and it's chaos. But this is almost just like the new model of like going up and ordering at the counter and then sitting down. Right. It, that's all it is. But like, you know, the CEO is basically saying, like, simply put the operation of dining rooms with table service was a money loser, even though that's what they've been doing since the beginning of their business. Um, I'm I think str- it's a shame. And I'm I- also struggling to believe that. Um, I think they were looking for ways to just capitalize, period, and then to have a pandemic hit. Okay, yes, I, I get that a lot of businesses were challenged, but we are talking this is a major corporate chain so there is definitely a sense of a big fuck you. You can afford to take a loss. And especially if you had a lot of really great employees who have now. I, I just think like I even get mad when I see the kiosks or the big ordering screen in a McDonald's. I'm just like, what is there anything hard about going to a McDonald's? You can either either drive through or walk up and get your you know food from a server which is still very transactional. I know that I'm not getting waited on at McDonald's already. So to go from an experience where you sit down and are waited on at Steak and Shake to be like, here's your touch, here's your, and I guarantee it, a greasy touch screen computer. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure it's going to be uh, a greasy touch screen. Because a lot of these places are open so late, too. Right. Like, isn't that the thing about Steak and Shake is it's like they're open all the time? Isn't all the it? time. It's 24 hours. And mm-hmm. I like I like this... Um. The CEO's uh, quote here, he's like, we're embracing efficiency and transitioning the service model to, quote unquote, empower our guests to place and pick up their own orders. Isn't that just like big government? (laughs) Oh, you're empowering guests? Oh, you're putting the task on us now instead of just doing it for for us? I see how that works. We're talking, this is 556 dining rooms that have closed through COVID. So that's how many like that are that are shifting. I do wonder if there are going to be like a couple like staple nostalgic steak and shakes that still have servers, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like the rock and roll McDonald's or whatever bullshit, you know, is thrown out there to make you think something that's just stinks just like shit is actually shiny. <laughs> but <laughs> but who knows? It is a, it is it is a total bummer. Um, if I see a flippy in there, though, I'm telling you. Oh, I'm going to lose that. I'm going to flip. I'm going to flippy out if I see a flippy. Uh, you know, I, I think moral of the story is just just do the drive through. You know, no point. Don't right. go. Don't go and grace their dining room with your empowered presence. Um, whatever. Steak and shake. I don't like this at all. Our next headline, which is here's the other spectrum of what's happening in the food industry. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. This was for a world record and it was National French Friday earlier this week. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. on the Upper East Side, a New York City restaurant uh, set the Guinness World Record for the world's most expensive French fries. Which uh, yummy. Whoa. 
this place called Serendipity 3, which is not a good name for a restaurant. I'll just start there. But uh, they they managed to pull off the most expensive French fries just in time to celebrate National French Fry Day this past Tuesday and made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. So now what does it take to make a $200 order of French fries, you ask? Uh, okay. First of all, they are called the creme de la creme pomme frites. Oh, oh so French already. So here's here's what's behind it. These probably only available for one day, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. but they the, the exclusive French fries are made from chipperbeck potatoes, which I don't I, I probably need to look up. What is a chipperbeck potato? Must be rare and grows for exactly one day in a pile of zebra dung or something. Yeah, it's basically like a corpse flower of potatoes, you know. (laughs) Okay, so now here's where it starts to get even fancier. They are blanched in Dom Perignon and J. Leblanc French Champagne Ardennes Vinegar. So this is, I don't know, I guess expensive stuff. (laughs) Then... The fries are cooked three times with pure goose fat from cage-free geese raised in southwest France. Okay. <laughs> and if you remember that one video we posted, the geese were fed a diet of only grains and were forced to watch season one of Frasier, um, which is <laughs> very, very geese with very dry humor. Okay. So. These elevated fries are then seasoned with Garand truffle salt, which is hand harvested from that region in France. And then they're tossed in an Urbani summer truffle oil and then sh- topped with shaved, I don't know even know how to say these fanciful words, Crete Senese Pecorino Tartafello, made of milk from sheep that are grazed on the clay rich hills of Crete Senese, and oh, then Lord. black truffles foraged from valleys and forests in Volterra and Miniato, Italy. Oh, God. Then they're topped with more shaved brussel, oh, truffles from Umbria. Umbria? How do you say that? Italy. Umbria, yeah. Umbria, Umbria. okay. Oh, and then, of course, they're served on a Baccarat crystal arabesque plate and bowl and then sprinkled with, we all know that, the 23-carat edible gold dust. Mm -hmm. Bitch. When you're done eating it, can you throw your plate down and break it? Please. I know. Or they set this down and then someone just dumps Heinz ketchup all over it. (laughs) Guilty. I know. Um, I do love a dipping mornier. I think it all sounds... Sure, give me a bite. That's what I think. But I'm just like, it's a lot. Um, by the way, the potato that we're talking about, the chipper Ooh, nice. back, they're basically um less starch. I'm sorry, lower in sugar and higher in starch. So when they're fried, they absorb less oil than other varieties. Okay. And okay. are basically like much preferred over russet when it comes to frying. Um, and they have a thin skin that absorbs again less oil. So they're supposed to be like the the perfect potato. For fries. That sounds delicious. And uh, I do listen to KCRW food talking shows. And I did hear a farmer's market report uh, straight from the potato farmer's mouth. She's like, there is nothing in the world you've tasted like a potato that has just been picked from the ground. Because when they are fully picked from their root or however you pull them off there, whatever, um, the skin is translucent because Mm. the longer a potato sits, the 
the skin kind of thickens like a callus as it ages and ages and ages. Mm -hmm. So when you first pick a potato, it's like paper thin. You can see through it. And that's when they're like so incredibly delicious that you don't even need seasoning. You just cook them and eat them. And they're phenomenal. And they grow in the dirt. So they're like little albinos, basically. Yes. Pull them out. My sister had, still does, but like since she moved, not like she hasn't got the patch going this year, but does her own potatoes and it's had her own box for years. And so when you go and there's oh. a harvest when I've been there, she'll like cook us up fresh potatoes for breakfast. Oh man. When she also How- had chickens at the same time, it was like potatoes and eggs for brekkie. Oh my Lord. Yum. Um, how, I mean, how much room I'm out of curiosity. Like say if you were trying to get little like baby golds, or little you can get yourself a big planter box or a pot. That's basically all you need. You want like your own space for it. And then you throw everything in. So it's kind of in its own area. But I'm pretty sure you could do like, I'm, you need like a big, huge pot. You would look into it like that. The felt pots are really nice. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Uh-huh. Yep. Like that would be a really, really good way to and do how it. And how many will grow and how quickly do they grow? Um, I <laughs> this is no longer a service industry podcast. I don't know exactly. I would imagine it's kind of more because they're a nightshade. I would imagine it's kind of like on par with a tomato. So I think you probably have varieties that are like 30 days, 60 days, uh-huh. stuff like that. So. Winter, winter harvest. Oh, my God. Well, this has been Potato Farmer Corner. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's that. But, yes, I would absolutely, I would have been like, Gimme, gimme some of these French fries, and yeah. I would have absolutely drowned them in some ketchup and mayonnaise. <laughs> oh well, Jesus! All right, guys. Well, let's hop into some server submitted stories. Okay, so this wasn't necessary. This was like commentary. I like to throw in a little commentary off the Instagram every once in a while. It wasn't necessarily a server submitted story, but it's follow up based on our episode two, two weeks ago, which was part two of uh, the hotels with Kelly and Lindsay. And all right, this writer lets us know, just so you know, the wife and I have no kids and we like to spend our money on trips, not stuff. I love that. The experience mm-hmm. spenders, that's That's the way to go. He says, so we have a lot of experience with the snazzy hotels in Canada. And we were having a great time listening to your guests talk about all the hotel stuff that we have gawked at while pretending (laughs) to be rich. He's like, hot tip, the slippers never fit, though. (laughs) Probably not for guys. I bet it's a real crapshoot if you've got huge feet. So he says, the welcome (laughs) gift is usually chocolates or local sweets. The turndown service really is awesome. In Quebec, we referred to the staff as elves as they were never spotted. (laughs) I mean, I think that's really great. I think to really further that with the employees who are like, you'll never sense me. They need to have like little trap doors and escape hatches. So you can't (laughs) like they come and go like they flip the painting around in your room and that's their corridor that they come and go to provide service. But absolutely. He said, also, I once had a seamstress come up to the room to tailor my new jeans at the Chateau Frontenac. She measured me on the spot, took everything away, and then brought back my jeans, pressed in half an hour. The best part, with the cuffs she had removed, were brought back, hanging on a wooden coat hanger. It cost me $10. Wow. That is sexy. That is super sexy. Seriously. No, I know. I was going to say, like, if you ever are throwing down for one of these really over the top with the service hotels it's like 
take some of your stuff, bring some stuff from home that you've needed yeah, mending. Yeah, they're very much like, be our guest. Be our guest, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love that. Like, this service was $10, you know, which... Not bad. It just makes you feel really elegant and taken care of. And for the moment, as though you have a personal assistant and or maid. <laughs> I love it. I want to stay in a fancy hotel. I really, really do. Maybe it's I'll been do a it bit. Soon. I mm-hmm. think every time I have, it's been on someone else's dime. So the only thing that ever occurs to me is to have no guilt with the mini bar and or the room snacks. Yeah. I just order all the things. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So... All right, guys, next story. Hi, Sidework Podcast crew. I was listening to your most recent episode on breweries and couldn't help but draw the comparison between that world and the distilling world. In short, they're run by the same types of people who serve the same types of people. (laughs) (laughs) For the past year, I worked at a distillery in Denver. Before that, I worked at a bar in Chicago that had 400 plus American whiskeys, about 200 scotches, as well as a plethora of other alcohols. Safe to say I know a thing or two about spirits and cocktails. In the summer of 2020, we released a bourbon, which, of course, brought our whiskey experts out who would ask how we have bourbon because bourbon only comes from bourbon, Kentucky, in Bourbon County, Kentucky. Yes. After I explained that, that's not how the classification. (laughs) (laughs) After I explained that's not how the classification works, corn, grain, ratio, barrels used, etc. I was met with one of two responses. It was either, oh, that's cool. Or an, hmm, sure, type response. (laughs) (sighs) I always find it interesting how people respond to my knowledge. Women, people who identify as women, by uh, black indigenous people of color people and LGBTQ plus are open, interested, willing to have a conversation. They also seem surprised in a way that I know so much and sometimes thankful that I can explain it to them in a way that makes sense. Yes, yes. I love this. Anyone who doesn't fit the above mentioned categories, it's a test. Sometimes it's a conversation, but mostly it's a test. Do I know where the grain is from? Yes. Do I know the ratios? Yes. Have I ever had X whiskey, this type of whiskey? Yes. Do I know the blood pressure and blood type of the farmer who harvested the grain and what he had for dinner three nights in a row? No, (laughs) those types of questions prove that I know nothing and they can go back to feeling superior. You also mentioned that people who walk into a brewery know that it's a brewery and that they (laughs) know that they only have beer. I will say on behalf of my distillery and the two breweries within 50 feet of each other, that's not always true. We're always trading customers (laughs) who want exactly what we don't Mm -hmm. have. Yeah. I will say that breweries have it a little easier because they can say beer only. We say we can serve a We say we can only serve alcohol that is made in-house, which is almost without fail, will prompt someone to ask for tequila. (laughs) I was unaware that so many people didn't know tequila can only be made in Mexico. (laughs) Oh, fuck. There definitely needs to be more representation in the brewery distilling world. I think that it's because it's not very approachable, even just at the lower levels. 
who wants to talk to a bearded guy in a page boy hat <laughs> with a know-it-all attitude than another bearded man with the same attitude. No one wants to be well actually to death when they're just curious. Serious. Yeah. When I talk about whiskey and explain it to people, I never assume that they're going to know how complex terminology or the process of it. I do assume that they know bread. So I'll break it down that way. Is it exact? No. But does it make sense than more corn-based breads or sweeter like cornbread and rice or spicy like rye bread? Absolutely. Awesome. Just like teach it. You're you're a teacher, obviously. You are a teacher. And I like I like the sort of metaphors that help you understand it. Yeah, absolutely. One example they give us here is Uncle Nearest, and it's a great black woman owned and run distillery with a great backstory. So we should we should look we into should that. Look further. Um <laughs> but yeah, I know this is a super long and I can go into more detail. Obviously, we love long anything on anything about the distillery. Uh there's a lot with COVID expansion and owners who never worked in the industry, <laughs> which we all know oh, yeah. that happens all the time. Thanks for having a place where we can all scream into the void together, Sarah. Yes, and Sarah, th- I'm so I just had I had an inkling today where I went away from the side work pod at Gmail email and went to double check sidework podcast at gmail.com oh. and I found <laughs> this gem sitting in there since late May so sorry it took a little while to get to it but I found you I responded and I said please keep in touch with us uh, at sideworkpod at gmail.com but this was a great email to have uh, discovered Absolutely. and to get conversations going yeah for sure and, and it is just this whole like having a teachable moment when you just want to expand the minds of the people in front of you and for people to be fucking assholes about it, it just never stops. It never stops. A- a- any any job, you know? And it's such a bummer because it's like beer, wine, and especially spirits are like the whole point is enjoying them, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, like to have a taste, have a backstory, learn a little bit of appreciation for how it's made and why this might be special or unique or different. Great. At the end of the day, it's all fun and delicious. It's And just the fact that straight white bearded men turn everything into a pissing contest is uh, everything. Everything. Perfect example, kind of like leaning into more my current career as an esthetician. I was talking to my father about like fascia and what oh, it does yeah, yeah. for the body. Um, which is, you know, basically this like netting that between our skin and our muscle tissue, it kind of holds our muscles together. If you guys don't know, and you can get, you can get scar tissue, you can get buildup. Like that's why you kind of, you know, you, it can, it can be a blessing and a curse. So I was talking to him about muscle scraping and how to break up fascia and how that works. And he just like looked at, he was like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. give me Does, that. Doesn't two, check out Andrea. Who's two days up? later, two, two days later. We're talking and he says to me, oh, turns out your fascia thing checks out. I uh, went to physical therapy and my physical therapist told me about it. And I was like, this motherfucker, like it's just like it never stops. Like certain generations and men, it's just I was like, did you not believe your daughter who was like educated and and trained in this field 12 years <laughs> as a working professional as a highly sought after uh, skin expert in los angeles i know i mean fucking know but it, it just goes to show that even the most nearest and dearest uh white men to you don't know what the fuck they're talking about yeah actually. getting well actually by your dad is its mm-hmm. own special form of rage it really is <laughs> 
was like, I'm 42. I know. Uh, uh, Okay. I was like, you don't know me. I left the house when I was 17. You're lucky we're friends. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, cool. You can just treat me like a a whiny 15-year-old forever. No big deal, I guess. It's so funny. Do you ever stop to think? You're like, well, that was the last time I lived under a roof with them. I was Mm -hmm. 17 and didn't know shit. But now I've lived (laughs) more than half my life on my own as an adult. I know it's a lot. Uh, anyway, sorry to make it about me in the end, but it, I was I was like I'm triggered. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> okay, one last one today from the server submitted stories. This is a first time submission, and I love her intro. She starts off, "Hello, ladies and Brian. Mm-hmm. Shout out Brian. Woohoo." Guys, you can all start addressing Brian. We like that. We definitely (laughs) like that. He does a lot of good, solid work for the show. All right. So she says, first off, love the pod. I get absolutely giddy when there's a new episode to play on my way to work. Love to hear that. Okay. Love to hear your voices, your jokes, and your opinions on important current events. You seriously make me so proud to be a server, and I can't thank you enough for this outlet. Oh, my God. Triple exclamation points. She means it. Okay, now, in college, my boyfriend at the time had a good friend working at a Brazilian steakhouse in town and told me he could help get me a job there. So, at this point, I'm 18 with about six months serving experience, and they hire me on as a bartender for their beer, wine-only bar. It abs- I absolutely did not apply to be a bartender, but apparently that's what they needed, and I needed a job. So, here I was, pouring shitty pours at the bar and serving all of my underage friends who looked about the same age as me, but apparently the owners didn't care. After working the bar for a bit, I begged them to let me be a server because I really hated being stuck behind the bar. And on top of that, you had to make all of the veggie skewer prep for the kitchen. Oh, oh, gross. Cut all of the fruit from the buffet (gasps) and make Brazilian lemonade, which is a ton of condensed milk, whole limes and sugar blended together. And people would drink this shit by the gallon. Whoa, that sounds kind of (laughs) delicious. I also quickly caught on that servers there made way more money than the bar, and I wanted in on that shit. Okay, so they let me switch to part-time bartender and part-time server, so I was so happy to be back on the floor again. What I remember most, unfortunately, are the Groupons. Everyone who ate there had a fucking Groupon, so your bill was quickly cut in half. And as we know, people like to tip on the 50% of what they paid. Anyways. I also can never I also could never quite get the smell of the steakhouse out of my memory. I would leave there smelling like exotic smoked meats and not in a good way. I would have to go shower and wash my hair if I wanted to do anything after work or else someone would make a comment about me smelling like meat, LOL. My first serving horror story happened here, though, one Friday night. I was serving this super sweet little couple. They were a bit older, maybe in their 60s, if I remember correctly. They were out celebrating their anniversary and had brought a bottle of wine to celebrate. So they're owned from home. Okay. Something about the wine was special. I can't remember that they'd either been saving it for a while or it was a special gift from someone. Either way, they were so excited to finally be sharing the wine on their anniversary. This is a buildup, which you know is going to end in tragedy here. (laughs) Okay, so there was the bottle, and it was sitting inside some sort of a padded wine carrier that I was unfamiliar with. To this day, I have never seen another thing like it, but it still haunts me. 
I'm chatting it up with this sweet couple, probably asking them how they met or how long they've been together, et cetera, et cetera, while picking up the wine by the carrier, which just so happens to not have a bottom. And yep, you guessed it, their precious wine falls right out and smashes on the floor, making a huge mess of wine, glass, and let's be real, my dignity. For my, for how much I have repressed from this job, I will never forget the feeling of ruining these people's night. Yeah. They were so, oh, that, that is, it's yeah. one thing to it's drop the, something from your own inventory. Totally. This is the, this is the kind Ugh. of thing that like when you're down on yourself 30 years later in your life, this is the feeling you think about this moment and it like comes back to you and you just are still like fucking ruining yourself with what you did so long ago. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Luckily, they were so sweet about it, though. I know for a fact they were sad, but they made me feel so much better about it, and I will forever be grateful to their kindness. I can only imagine if they would have freaked out on me. I might have walked away from the biz right then and there. I, of course, apologized profusely and offered to buy them any and all drinks that they would want from our restaurant and that I would pay them for the bottle I had broken. I think they let me buy a round of beers, but that was it. Looking back, I'm sure they pitied me, and I hope it's something they laugh about now. Keep on keeping on. Godspeed. Good tips. And be extra careful when handling personal bottles of alcohol. (laughs) Alyssa. (laughs) Fuck. I mean, thank God they were amazing. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure I would have been. I would have been like, whatever. It's just a metaphor for our marriage. You can break it, but it's still going to keep, the life, life will still keep, going you know it's a metaphor for marriage you know Mm -hmm. it's special it's got history and sometimes it falls apart and it's it all comes down to how you deal with the the tough spots in life am i right also also the thing that she didn't say is when she was sweeping up the 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 remnants of the bottle it just it said like it said charles schwab on it Even weirder if it was Charles Schwab. It's like yeah, a Schwab, company gift Schwab, Schwab, if you Schwab. Charles Schwab. It was actually just like a, a 30-year-old bottle of two-buck chuck. Um. <laughs> that had like that had uh, basically aged into a fortified wine mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. They know what's up. Um, and is there any worse smell or feeling than trying to sweep up glass oh and wine in its it entirety so on the floor? It is so specific. And like the wa- there are glass shards everywhere. And then if it happened right in front of them, they smelled that broken bottle the entire time they were there for sure. Yep. I remember, I think three summer, no, two summers ago, when before Georgia Hardstark moved into her new spot and was having the pool party birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yay, like, you know, hadn't even had anything to drink yet. Big group of people. It's a pool. It's a pool. Okay. So we're talking flip flops and bare feet. And I picked up a bottle of wine off of the picnic table and I immediately did something where it slipped. The whole thing smashed poolside. (laughs) And I do remember Karen Kilgariff staring holes through me. Anyways, um, (laughs) everyone else was cool about it, but I did look up and I was like, oh God, she saw that. And uh, (laughs) as I sheepishly swept an entire bottle of, you know, probably Sauvignon Blanc and and was like, I promise, I promise everyone be careful. Like it it turns into a whole thing. You add on the barefoot aspect and you are truly an asshole when you- It's a lot. It's, it's, you know, then you move on, then you move on. You can't let it, you can't let it run your life. (laughs) (laughs) It's three years later and I'm still scarred. I know, it's okay, Brooke. I see you. Um, Well, you guys, please send these server-submitted stories to sidewardpod at gmail.com. Anything and everything is always welcome, and we look forward to it. 
<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What I love is today's topic kind of got birthed in 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 a in, in a rush if you will. We we have a running list of topics that we always want to do on the show and some were like this would be really really good to get an expert or a guest, but this topic I'm like say no more. You and I are our own experts and opinionated <laughs> on this topic, but today we are going to talk about bars that have games and bar sports. We are not talking about sports bars. You know what I'm talking about? Those establishments that are filled with flat screen TVs, toxic masculinity, (laughs) (laughs) and the menus that are written, you know, with the aggressive bro font, you know, that offers 50 types of wings. We are also not going to be talking about a Dave and Buster's. Or any arcade bar. Exactly. Today's topic exists somewhere in between that, which I think is more inclusive to the rest of us. We're in celebrating the tradition and trend of bars providing games competitions and toys to drunken adults to amuse themselves with. I love this. So otherwise known as pub games, you know? I love it. So let's get it started. Um, First of all, let me ask you, you and I never worked at a place together that had any games at it, right? No, just a comedy show, which was a game into itself. Um. (laughs) Different different beast. No, uh, I actually we we didn't actually where we worked we didn't it was more of a live music yes um, performance space but you know there was no trivia or dartboards or anything weird like that no nope, no nope. weird just that like that why would I say weird yeah I it just really I'm trying to even think like some of the Brooklyn establishments I worked at it, it just this one backyard bar I worked at was just too wild there's just no way right. you could have had games even though it yeah. was outdoors so it's more that I am a regular um and have been since I turned of drinking age at establishments that have things oh, you can for throw sure. and chuck so let's let's start um shall we with sort of the origin of the pub game great and uh I used an online article from a publication called the beer expert yeah Um, so essentially they, they trace it all the way back to, um, Roman times in Roman taverns, drinking games were developed. And basically the first thing that can be found in history was a form of checkers. So, right. Which you're like, okay, that makes all the sense. People used to just like drink and philosophize. And then at one point they were like, what if we had things to do with our hands? (laughs) There's lots of rocks around here. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and you needed a lot more imagination because there were no iPhones. Um, But basically 
the history of drinking, alcohol consumption um, leads to playfulness because we all turn into giant babies when we get mm-hmm. a little intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are games of chance that are like cards and then there are more sporting games which developed into things like darts, cricket, all the way down to places that probably have like cockfighting, which is so crazy to me and I would never go. Yeah. Um, or bare knuckle boxing, which thank God. <laughs> I, I Listen, we've, we've had servers write in to tell us about the after hours fight clubs that happen in bar parking lots and I used to fight people in pickup trucks bed to pickup trucks but I am not we are not going to talk about that and we don't endorse them right I mean we've all seen the gangs of New York we know what happens we've all seen fight club (laughs) we've all been in our own fight clubs and we're not totally going to get into like the electronic gambling games you know, very fun. I could go off about the fact that I might still hold a record for being Naked Lady Photo Hunt champion. Right, right. Lansing. Or like actual like golden tea leagues are, are huge. That's maybe still are, major, you know. Major. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely kind of different. It almost falls, that almost falls into like an arcade bar competition. Or, I know. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's that, it, yeah, it's, it's a real in between. It's really in between. So we're, yeah, so we're leaving out violence and electronics and we're going to get to the old fun, just manual things where you're rolling, throwing, aiming, et cetera, et cetera. So um, one of the first things ever developed as a game in a pub is a game called bowls which can be traced back to egypt over seven thousand years ago cool and i haven't heard this before i guess it's also known um in france as patank does that sound familiar that's no zero (laughs) tank patank so anyways i'm guessing you're probably chucking a coin or a little rock and aiming for some bowls it Mm -hmm. didn't say what it is but if i had to make an educated guess um, this starts to get more literal. <laughs> shove a penny. Um, shove a penny was played on a wooden board. Ten horizontal lines are drawn across. The object of the game is to shove, often with the heel of your hand, a specified coin, which needs to land between the horizontal lines, so on and so oh. forth. This sounds like pre-shuffleboard. <laughs> I know. Or like a weird backgammony situation. Yeah, totally. And and granted, some of these are, are more European before... Um, America even existed as we know it. Uh, but Skittles, which a lot of us, you know, know as 10-pin bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can have little mini pins. You can have large-scale ones. So many people fucking love to play any version of bowling. Well, this is this is actually going to, like, go more toward Mulkey, which is, like, yes. a Finnish kind of, like, yard game and actually this it's the tossing stick for mulkey is called a skittle actually it's called a skittle and then mm-hmm. the game is also known as scatter which is hilarious yeah so, that's totally mulkey which is one of my favorite way, games of all time basically you know like when you're drinking is there anything more fun than having a game where the object is to knock over upright things I know. you know and win points so and this sort of uh competition is said to have Uh, dated back to early Christian Germany where monks would knock over wooden clubs or kegels, which is hilarious because that's a double meaning, (laughs) but they would knock over the kegels with a projectile and with each kegel, it represented a sin that maybe you were absolved from. Let's start playing that way, Andrea. Next time we play Mulkey. Okay. Yeah, we'll just put like, we'll just, we'll like label our own like fears and like shit that happened to us on every (laughs) single wood thing and knock it over. (laughs) You know, obviously marbles, but this one sounds so fun. Uh, 
the Yard of Ale. The Yard of Ale is a game in which a competitor attempts to drink an entire quote unquote yard of uh-huh, ale uh-huh. in one go without spilling any and without taking a breath. So um the yard glass, oh God. So it's three full pints of ale long. Yeah. Right. Is this sort of like in Germany too, like drinking the boot? The boot, it, that's a, a similar drinking game. And that's like the person who doesn't get, the person who gets the boot, they get the air pocket and it yes. splashes their face. So you yes. don't want to get that. Okay. But, Got I know. It. Oh God, but I love it. because, And I mean, obviously, you know, I love a drinking game, even though they're very dangerous and I don't mm-hmm. play them very much anymore. I think they should all be played with beer, by the way. Prizes <laughs> are awarded for managing to drink the entire yard or for managing to drink the yard in the quickest time. And then you're rewarded with what? More ale. More ale. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, pub games have been around, friends. We're talking 7,000, 10,000 years. We've been drinking and knocking things over, which is... Intentional and unintentional Uh, sometimes. It's better than like getting in fights. I'm saying let's get also organized and focused on something. (laughs) It feels great, you know, and I think obviously one of the biggest things we've seen in American culture and also European, you know, obviously pool or snooker. um, We can't not mention it, but I honestly think it could have its own episode. Just oh, absolutely. Pool halls. I mean, it's like it's a very place to work. I mean, very specific thing. There are people who only work in bartended pool halls. And so it'd be really interesting to just kind of talk about that whole vibe. And, you know, because obviously there are huge pool tournaments. It's a whole world in and of itself. So we will dedicate that topic to its own. But um, let's get into a few fun facts about why games and sort of healthy competitions while drinking are very fun and actually pretty smart for local establishments. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so essentially, uh, you know, we all know that there are league nights for anything that you can compete in and you want to get enough people showing up, you can you can develop a league. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like, it's great for slow nights, right? Amazing to like feel like Monday night always has a dark league. It's just a good way to like get people in fucking get your till high, make your tips like it's a awesome business model <laughs> i th- right exactly you're not going to do it on a saturday when all no. the weekend drinkers are out absolutely you cannot do that so Unless you want to alienate your entire bar crowd for the weekend <laughs> everyone or you're going to make the you're going to make the league mad and the regular patrons pissed so this this stuff usually kind of has to happen like a sunday through a wednesday yep, yep. Um, and i think we all know what it's like to like walk into a bar on a league night and be <laughs> yes. like and that you're just like oh oh no like you turn on you your heels and you I leave. know you don't get to play the game you maybe wanted to you know other than and on top of it you probably are made to feel like a bit of an outsider because you're not in the club uh, you know because you're not wearing one of the t-shirts they all had made yeah yeah and and then you know I feel like as a bartender like places at least where I have been or seen people react like there's always that snarky fucker like maybe during trivia night who's like way too loud and won't shut the fuck up it's like this is the majority of people are participating in this like you're the one that needs to go dude Mm -hmm. um but also I'm just gonna say you know it goes both ways there are some very weird league people as well (laughs) Well, right. Because right. it's a very hardcore people have like they're the fucking focus on they're there to win. It is very specific. So, yeah, it's a. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. I, I my, one of my favorite nights to hang was Monday's Dart League at my local college bar, the Peanut Barrel. 
Um, I had a lot of weird reasons for needing to go because there was a guy in dart leagues who was obsessed with me um, and would stare at me. And I couldn't get enough of that attention, even though I was in a relationship and living with my boyfriend. So I had very weird motivations, a lot of attention craving. But dart people, they don't fuck around. They come with their own little darts. You know, yep. they keep them <laughs> they keep them all like shined up in their oil cloth and their beautiful little container and so, you know, people take this shit very seriously. I, and again, we'll talk about pool halls at a different time, but like that's a whole case into itself as well. Like, Oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. So, right. And like, let's, okay. League folk, like you said, they can be very weird. And it's, even though we're like, oh, it's just a bar game. They've been doing this for years and there are high stakes that matter to them. So don't be surprised if you make them mad. Um, I also think having like games, uh, whether it's even like, a whole wall of board games, something goofy like that, or little yeah. things to throw. I think it's just a great way if you haven't developed the identity of your bar, if it's brand new, I think you can add points of interest to your establishment. That's all good. But let's lay down some ground <laughs> rules that bars have done wrong the entire time mm -hmm. uh, or they're brand new and commit these mistakes. But here's the thing. We're going to be show like throwing sharp, pointy weapons um, right through the air with force. There needs to be a dedicated space. Yeah. You can't just be like, oh, the bathroom's right over there. On the like other side of dart leagues. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, and you would think people wouldn't do this, but it's like people will put the sports where there is foot traffic, either I in know. or out of the bar or the ATMs behind the dart boards or just some dumb shit where you're like, you are asking for patrons to have a one-way ticket to the ER. I can name three bars off the top of my head that I used to frequent that like the dart boards and the pool tables were just shoved right next to each other too so everybody's like in each other's way like the entire time and I don't I fucking hate places and I get if you have a pool table it's just asking for trouble and again because it's like you're constantly like being told if it's a crowded bar and people go to play they're just like um because you move I have to make this shot and I'm just like are you fucking kidding me right now? It bothers me <laughs> it's there have been many a nasty word exchanged between me and someone playing pool and then but you're at the end of the day you're like why it is the, the venue did this to us they insist on having a pool table in the middle of the room in the middle of the flow of traffic and you're like this is nuts like I'm getting knocked in the back of my skull with mm -hmm. a pool stick mm -hmm. I fuck up their shot because they just brained me with their stick everyone's mad it's it, it's like the pool table belongs in the back corner with enough mm -hmm. clearance. And once again, no bathrooms, no ATMs, no nothing nope. around it. That's how you make a peaceful gaming <laughs> and drinking establishment. Uh, and I, you know, I also feel like too, like, especially if you're going to invest money in this stuff that, you know, like you have got to have people put their name down and get the equipment from you and return it. All, oh, like, for and, sure. And get there a license deposits. for yeah, money. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm -hmm. I can't even imagine how annoying it is to work these nights and then you're cleaning up every night and then there's like another key piece of the, of the game that's just gone missing, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, and I think what to expect as a server for right. these nights too is you're always going to get this big rush at the top for food, like pitchers of beer, then you get your normal customers and like we were saying, probably will feel ignored because yep. it's this crazy balancing act. So like... If you're bringing food and beverages to the tables on high tops, like people are just like standing and eating it. It's a clusterfuck. 
It's like, such a clusterfuck. And then pe- <sighs> once everything starts, like things kind of like hush and go quiet, you know? It does. Or then, you know, the, the competitive nature of cheering and all that shit. But it's like, it's this thing where you're walking up to the person with like four plates of nachos and you're like, where where are you sitting? They're not paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. You're burning your arms. So, you know, you, I, you have to kind of like learn as you go and probably yeah. also, also be like very like, I put your nachos over here. Yeah. FYI. I would imagine you can get that them. like, if it's a whole league and there's new people, like, you know, if it's like a 10 week league, like from the first day to the end, right. and you're Monday is every your shift every day, you're going to know everybody by the end of it, you know? And I think that that can be really fruitful if you're like, I want to be their kick-ass server and bartender on Mondays because mm-hmm. if they love you and they're good people, that is going to be a great night for you to work. Absolutely. Make some bank. So I think when we think like, you know, quintessential, especially, I mean, you know, it's happening all over the world. But when I think American bars and games, darts is obviously the number one thing that comes to my head. It's such a bar sport. You know, it really, <laughs> it really is. And I have to say, uh, when I focus up and decide I want to try, I can be actually fairly good at darts and get, you know, it's it's all about just the real gentle flick. It's, it's in the yeah. wrist and those fingers. Now, and- I'm going to suggest this. Our good friend of the pod, James Dunn, are, yeah. basi- are basically like, un- you know, maybe a third host, maybe, maybe not a ghost yes. host, if you will. During lockdown, they they basically put their whole backyard is basically bar a games bar. now. Yeah, <laughs> there's a ping pong table, there's cornhole, and there's a dartboard. So we should absolutely go over there, and you can start testing your skills there. Oh, I love that because I want to bring over the doggos and get them to all play together, mm-hmm. anyways. Oh so yeah, dogs can run around. We can throw sharp object at boards. You know, the statistics. Uh, According, of course, to the American Dart League, is that 16.6 million Whoa. Americans play darts. Holy and shit. And mean it. That's a lot of dart throwing people. And your research states that darts is 700 years old. Yes. And now, granted, this this uh, research, once again, are from online sources such yeah. as the beer experts. So, you know, <laughs> I can't talk about. I didn't source them to see if they're legit, but you know, we're right. just going on what the right. internet Back says. Back then it was, it was called javelins, not darts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you were basically aiming for running human targets. Exactly. Um, to yeah. win, to win your own freedom from <laughs> the tyrannical rule of the Roman some, empire. Some, yeah. Some, whoever happened to be the empire, uh, emperor that day. No, but this makes sense. It says the game originated in medieval England in the 1300s, which that 100%, that that to me tracks, you know, just any like form of human torture, sharp things and people. Inquisition leaning Mm -hmm. in hard. Yeah. (laughs) So, but then it became, it seems to have become very popularized in America before World War I when it started to be a very... Uh, just easy setup thing. I mean, imagine that you can have it set up anywhere. You can say, even if you're out in your bunkers, you know, like mm-hmm. fucking serving in the army or whatever, and you've got downtime, no fighting, a dartboard is going to be a great competitive way to pass the time. And then when you get home and want to hit the bar, you're already a dart expert. So I, I, I think that all makes a lot of sense. I love it. 
Um, and then we have we have put together a a hot round, if oh, you will, a hot round of uh, a collection of really fun American bar games for you to gab about. Oh my god! Well, first of all, so for me, like when I darts is not my most exciting. I am what is known as a round robin, a uh, bit of a round robin bitch, mm-hmm. and. Round Robin is the tabletop shuffleboard. Okay, there's the shuffleboard that you see in like retirement homes in Boca Raton. You know, where you got the oldies pushing with the stick yeah, on the yeah, ground. That, that RIP block party used to have. Exactly. In, in mm-hmm. And they their shuffleboard kind of stunk. It was really hard to move the, the, uh, the game pieces around. Anyway, so Round Robin is where I get fucking excited. It's a tabletop lane that's a really long uh, gameplay situation where you you know, play versus someone else on either end. And it's like this very, um, it, they keep it as slick as like a bowling yeah, alley. Yeah, there's sand involved. And then you sand so that you can, you know, um, I think the sand just helps overall with the movement and having a little more of like a choice with controlling your puck. Mm-hmm. But it is so addictive and fun. You take these heavy metal weighted pucks and just the tiniest push and this motherfucker goes flying to the other end. So it's actually a game of control and strategy. It really is like a whole thing. I was first introduced to this game at the uh, an amazing bar that is no longer in Omaha, Nebraska called the 49er. Ooh. They absolutely had the upright shuffleboard table and it w- I have very fond memories of being a, a, a 21-year-old drunk pup at the at oh. this bar. Yeah, I was probably all of 21, 22 myself. And this goes back to a bar in Lansing that I think I mentioned before called Stober's, which had had its heyday. And then in the early 2000s, you know, it had fallen just into ruin and desolation. Nobody was going deep into Lansing anymore, which is the capital of Michigan. And it's a little legitimate city. Um, There's a lot in there. And I, of course, because this is just background on me. I wasn't happy that I went to a fucking state school, right? You know, and East Lansing is very insulated. It's a college town. It's got a downtown college area. But it was just all like frat bars, this place called like the Land Shark. And and you're just like, I don't like the vibe of any of this shit. And so we would start venturing into Lansing, which everyone was like, oh, Lansing's dangerous. And it's like, my grandma grew up here. Like, (laughs) it's not dangerous. Um, And started going straight up Michigan Avenue toward the Capitol building and started noticing all of these amazing, frozen-in-time, old-school bars. And the first time I walked into Stober's, I mean, I, I, I I was like, taken aback I I was like oh it is the most it was walking into a David Lynch movie it is the coolest bar so me and my group of friends it kept expanding week after week after week kept coming the entire summer we put this bar back on the fucking map Linda the owner was so surprised and so taken aback and was like you're all so polite you're cool you tip me and then she would make us um oatmeal cookie shots in like beautiful long fluted shot glasses and come out on a tray (laughs) and be like thank you thank you thank you like it so Stober's is just like and now you cannot get a seat at Stober's that's it's amazing. hilarious. It's I the most it popular so bar in Lansing now. Yeah. Aww, that's I so know. Great. I that's my little I've told this pat myself on the back story once or twice already, but this is where I was 
absolutely introduced to round robin and I would stay all night and you know you'd have to put your name on the chalkboard get in line mm-hmm. wait till their game was over and it's a whole it, it was just competition and drinking is the most fun thing ever well there's something really amazing to be said and like we kind of did the same thing um at the bowling alley at, at yes bowl in Chicago where it's like there's not a formative league but as a collective group of friends we like we're like this is our night we take over this night you know and and it ends up being one of the funnest memories you can ever have in your whole life. <laughs> oh, God. that Right. And so f- if we haven't spoken about this in a while, this is sadly the bowling lanes that burned down. I know. That's such horseshit. I know. Can I throw it out there, Andrea? If we ever go back to Big Bear together, okay, yeah. in yeah. Big Bear Lake, that area up on the mountain, there is a destination called the bowling barn which is a big upstairs bowling alley in a barn it's so fun and they do black light laser light bowling at nighttime it's i mean anything that includes the word upstairs and bowling is and barn (laughs) (laughs) i'm so like dude you know what we gotta we gotta get on the books really soon we need to go bowling it's been too long I know. I agree. And bowling um, alleys deserve their own episode too. Oh, because and they will is, get their own episode yes. and it will be amazing. Um, but let's move on to the most fucked up weird game that I've maybe ever played <laughs> in a bar called the hook and ring toss. Um, how do we even describe this, I, Brooke? It's essentially okay. a washer on it's a, a string. It's a washer on a string. And you have to hurl it in such a way that it perfectly latches onto a hook on the wall. And it's, again... I love the uh, La Hermosilla, which is in Highland Park, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. close to where we live. Uh, Again, the bathrooms are on the Uh other side of the swinging washer. Uh And uh (laughs) this is why some of this comes up all the time where I'm like, God bless them. I love it. You get a mean game of hook and ring toss going. You're going to get whapped upside the head with a washer while you're trying to go to the bathroom. But it's a very it's it really is. Once again, you learn with these games. It's about restraint. It's, it's about geometry. The, it's your it's or it's more. I guess it's angles. So dumb algebra. luck, dumb mm-hmm. luck and drunkenness, too, because you can always factor that in. I really this is the type of bar game where it's like it's just me and I've had too much to drink and I <laughs> and I have a vendetta against myself. Yes. We're like, where's Andrea so been? much at it? I'm just like, I just have to land one hook. And like I'm not two hours home. later, I haven't done it. <laughs> and we're like, we want to go home. And you're yeah, like, we like can't I'm, like go I'm home. covered in blood for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> They've cut you off. And you're like, oh, God, um, really fun, too. And this is like so crazy when you do really think back to this. So one of our Brooklyn haunts and before it became a well-known comedy venue is this really great bar in Brooklyn called uh, Union Hall. I mm-hmm. performed there many times. I've had many shows of my own there. But there's a downstairs, which is the performance space. And it's kind of crazy because upstairs above you while you're performing are these huge larger than life bocce ball lanes in an indoor bar so you're downstairs performing just hearing like clang well it's not like a clang it's like a pop like yeah it's a a really distinct it's like roll 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 clack yeah sort of thing it's like a like a croquet ball feel you know like yeah but holy shit that is so fun when you decide like when you're like cool no one's in the lanes right now let's take it you know no wait let's get in on this shit and you just I don't know. There's something because I'm not a competitive athlete 
but bar games where you're drinking and just mm-hmm. having fun and you might win or be good at something is like, that's me all day long. <laughs> I love it so much. So um, obviously, yeah, I was going to say like the outdoor outdoor bars, they all have the combo of cornhole, right. horseshoes, the right. giant Jenga, and the giant tic-tac-toe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fucking giant Jenga, which you know what is... If you if you get the right crowd in on a giant Jenga, can be a very good thing. It is it's also yeah nerve wracking. It is. Other than that, like I'm just places that have giant Jenga, and I'm always I'm always like, oh god, it's so loud. But you know what? I just shouldn't be there. Then it's not, I shouldn't even be there if if I'm gonna be like this is gonna be loud. It's not my place to be in that establishment. It's but my if, it's me. If you're on the other side of the bar and have no idea that like. 120 pounds worth of wood blocks are about to come crashing to the ground. It's <laughs> jarring. It can be very weird. They can go flying. There can be, you know, projectiles, shrapnel, the whole thing. But I have been in a very intense game unintentionally. I had no idea. Once again, Georgia Hardstark, uh, Georgia Hardstark birthday. We were in this amazing um, gay dance club somewhere in downtown LA. And me and my friend Brian got into the most heated game of Jenga. The whole bar surrounded us. And I was like, fucking A. Like, that's when you're like, I wish and wish I hadn't had so much to drink because, like, you have to have like steady hands. And you're like, this is and not a game for drunkards. But. I do again love the the perspective from like the staff at places that have things like this. So it's like you're talking to your table like mid whatever, and then all of a sudden like you just hear it like crumble. So you have to like hold for giant Jenga crumbling and like back to biz, and then people going oh you know or clapping or whatever. But I know just these like and the wine is actually from the Provence. Oh, hold for Jenga collapsing. Um, I think an outdoor. I think this is best outdoor is flip cup flip cup indoors is so fucking gross. And you know that that bar is going to constantly smell. Yeah. (laughs) It's also like pretty illegal. I don't really, I'm not really sure if you're supposed to be playing drinking. I'm not, I wonder. I, I mean, if it's shots of beer, of course you can play flip cup. I think it's more normalized to be happening at parties and or frat houses. But you know that there are those college bars that 100% host flip cup sort of shit going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, bingo is always very fun. I feel like you've got different forms of it. You've got drag queen bingo happening mm-hmm. at like things like Hamburger Mary's. Um, one of our favorite bingo um, orientations would be in Austin, Texas. Oh, um, yes. Which hosted by Mr. Dale Watson. Country superstar Dale Watson. Chicken shit bingo, which is shit. essentially an outdoor game. You just release chickens onto a bingo and wherever they shit, that's the number you take off your card. Yep. There you go. And, you know, there's no telling when these birds are going to shit. So usually what's happening is entertainment in the form of music or a really funny DJ while you're literally sitting around drinking, oh waiting for a chicken to take I a dump. S- still have dreams of going to see Del Watson. Just like do this. I mean, he's a I love him. I adore him. Um, speaking of animals, 
Um, <laughs> I had completely forgotten about yes! this. Oh my Fucking god! Turtle racing is a thing at bars. You you did this in Chicago. There was right? a place called um, Big Joe's, Chicago Joe's. Sorry, that did it for a long time, and then they completely outlawed it. They were like, "We don't care how well you treat these yeah. turtles. You have to get them the fuck out of here." Yes. But there is a place called Brennan's in Marina Del Rey that's been doing this and hosting this. What they call it's a self dub title, the world's stupidest sport <laughs> for forty five years, and I think laws, you know, because. It's like a living creature with feelings, obviously, have changed a lot over the years where it's just maybe once a week they do this. But it's literally like I think whoever like walks to a specific target on like a, a mat first, that's the turtle that wins. And I was looking at photos and it's literally like people like biting their nails, like watching intently surrounding four turtles on a mat, like a hundred people like waiting to see who wins. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, you know, like we have invented very interesting ways to entertain ourselves at bars. And, uh, you know, again, I am, I'm with you where I'm just like, okay, yeah, these, these are actual creatures. I totally, totally get it. Remember right. the, per- the, sh- the unnamed Chicago bar that we started reading stories from a year ago in quarantine? They had a fucking claw game that went into a lobster tank mm-hmm. that people could mm-hmm. play. And it's yeah. like, oh my God. It's- yeah, that's way too much. That I'm not into. I am into other, yeah. The animal stuff is like too much for me. It's hilarious to watch like, you know, turtles slowly walk to a thing and cheer for him. I mean, I know that like frog jumping and racing used to be sure. real big back in the day. Um, but those are gone. But now there's a lot more like, um, I don't know, Nordic, like crazy, like I, Viking kind of style or even medieval games coming. Um, axe throwing is very big now. I would love to throw an axe. Dude, let's go. There's a place here called LA Axe, which might be the best name ever, first <laughs> of all. Um, and I mean, the rules are crazy. They serve alcohol. But like when you get in there, it's like you have to sign all these waivers. There's certainly no path to the bathroom in front of you <laughs> with these. Oh, oh no, 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 no. It's you like a shooting a range. Lesson. Yeah. Exactly. And then you play a whole game where you get to like throw the little axes and in the end they let you throw the big, the hatchet. It was, or the hatchets are small, whatever the big fucker is, you throw it overhead. Yes. I'm just going to tell you I got a bullseye when I threw mine, Brooke. I'm going to tell you that. Andrea, uh, it is your Nordic DNA being awakened. I know. I and was enlivened. Like, I'm Lady Thor. Lady <laughs> Lady Thor Dadoy, it, it truly is like your innate sense. It it, it just courses through your, your veins. Um, here's another really fun one called Hammerschlagen, <sighs> uh, which is a very big Oktoberfest game, but has crept its way to the Pacific Northwest and has leagues, which is essentially drunk people trying to <laughs> um, hammer a nail into a wood stump in one fell swoop. Wait, okay, so, okay, explain the setup real quick. Okay, so you have a wood stump, and then you have, like, nails that I think are kind of partially sticking out of them, so the object is to take your hammer and get the nail directly into the stump. I mean, that's how they... Blood? Maybe. (laughs) 
I mean, that is a that is a pro tip for any home improvement is like the more powerful and le- least amount of blows to the nail is how you, pr- you know, actually professionally get a nail into the wall. But anyways, <laughs> it's true. It's very true. And I'm sure I would get way into Hammerschlagen. Yeah, exactly. If we had the had the chance. Yeah. <laughs> Can I end with my favorite? thing ever in the Detroit area where I grew up Uh, for anyone listening from that region feather bowling at Kaju Cafe in Detroit is a Belgian game it is a Belgian version of bowling which Andrea when we get our own travel show we're going to do this yes so fun it is so unexpectedly fun and competitive and weird it's really unlike any of these other games that we've mentioned because you get huge wooden wheels and you roll them like a cheese wheel so you tip them upright like a wheel and that's how you play the game and the court is the the lanes are made out of dirt and they have hills and grooves in the side for tactical playing and the whole point is on either end is just a feather sticking upright out of the dirt and whoever can get the wooden wheel as close to the feather gets the most points. And I think there's like some crazy extra point if you can get the wheel to just like tip over onto the actual feather is like game. I'd have to look back, but it is. I want to play this right now. It is so fun. It took, I think we played one round and we were like, we're just getting the hang of this. So we turned right around, paid 25 bucks again so that we could get like appropriately competitive because everyone was like, now I understand. And the best part is <laughs> it's this like dope old school Belgian bar. And so next door then you go and you eat Belgian beer and get huge metal bowls filled with mussels. And I, oh, every my Lord, kind of what a lovely freaks. day. You're 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 painting this picture for me. Brooke. It's so fun. <laughs> you and I, you know, you, me, Sean and Brian need to all just go maraud around the Detroit area and do the best things. But this is like the to me, the epitome of a fun sporting bar experience, like good food, really good competition. They obviously have the pro nights. There are league nights for actual professional feather bowlers. <laughs> For sure. This, when you say this, like the cheese wheel thing, it reminds me of that of that Netflix show. With we are the champions. Where they would like, they'd like throw the wheel of cheese down the hill. And you chase it. Do, you yeah. chase cheese down a perilous hill. People die. <laughs> they break bones. It is, guys, you have to watch the show called We Are the Champions. This episode is like, we're not condoning it. Definitely people drink before they do it. Um, yeah, but I have never laughed so hard watching people eat shit for a mile straight down a hill, just head over heels down the steepest, (laughs) steepest hill in the village. Basically, we were just like, what the fuck? And like so many of these bar games we're talking about come from like the most ancient of origins and like still happening today, which I love. I love that too, because um, it feels so hard to connect to anything culturally anymore. And I'm like, bar games have a history. Okay. If you if I know. you love a bar game, there's a chance you are following a seven thousand year old tradition. 
I mean, and who doesn't want to just have fun? I mean, I want to go, if we're going to go to Detroit, we have to go to Chicago yes. because, and I'm sure Detroit has it too. And a lot of people who have colder climates, like there's like curling lanes and bars now you can go to. Um, at the Gwen Hotel in Chicago, they have a winter wonderland rooftop, 360 view of downtown with complete with fucking curling lanes and like a little pop-up ski lodge for like your hot booze and bites. I mean, like, hi, I'm in. What a great night out. You know, it makes you feel like you have an actual plan that isn't just drinking. You know, you're like, no, we are going to go sport. We're going to do. Yeah. We're not here to just get wasted. We're here to get wasted and, and do something Mm -hmm. else. Um, which I really actually do love the camaraderie of it. You're part of a community. You're part of a neighborhood. You know, your bartender and your servers even more like they care about you because you frequent their establishment and you're, you know, hopefully tipping really well. And exactly all that. And that's, that's if you are part of a league that like, doesn't know the rules, I'm like, I'm telling you, you, you slam your server, you got to take care of them. And then they won't Mm -hmm. dread your presence every Monday, you know? You know, it's this, it's just a different kind of camping. Wouldn't you say like at the end of the day, you got to keep paying and you got to, you got to keep buying buying things and tip well at the end of the night because yes you are taking over the bar for probably most of the evening absolutely i want to go play bar games now i do too um the fable has a little dartboard if you ever want to go throw a few at my yeah, new place of absolutely um and actually like uh our, our our buddy of the show who was just on mike langley who talked to us in part one of hotels is actually here in town visiting me and you got to see oh, yeah. him the other night um, he taught me a whole new card game uh, last night. So we just like got high and played cards all night. So actually the preface of like my state of mind going into this week's topic was incredible because oh, I'm already like, yeah, let's keep fucking going. And I, like that's how have I, I Have I ever played Rummy Cube or Challenge Rummy with you? Uh, yeah, but I'm in. Okay. We played a game called Misery, oh, okay. which is, I'll teach you how to play. It's very okay. fun. I'm in. I'm in. I know. You guys, did we, did we miss any really fun, super local, super specific bar yes. games? Like at a bar you used to work at or used to frequent? Um, Let, let us, us know. know. I'm in. I'm sure there's a whole swath of Southern, you know, tradition and weird shit that we just don't <laughs> know about. And I would love to Ugh. hear about it. Um, you guys, this, this was so unexpectedly delightful, uh, in terms of a topic, we love you all. We are going to be coming up on some fun new topics. Uh, we are finally, I told you going to tackle weddings and all the ways service industry is tortured by that. We've, we've, we've finally done it. We've decided, uh, we got down on one knee in front of each other. Uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. It has, it has. (laughs) So we've got a lot of fun stuff planned out for the remainder of the summer and um until then we will talk to you next week and you know what we say at the end of every show godspeed and good tips and great sportsmanship good game good game bro good game i want to go to a bar and throw things Okay, I'm in. Bye, guys!